Welcome to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast where we share stories of our local farmers, ranchers, artisans, and craftsmen. If you're looking to grow your connection to the food you eat and the makers you support, you can plant your roots here. So last time we talked about the current farming innovations and the differences between different kinds of farms. And then before that, we talked about the history of farmers markets. So now we talked about how we got farmers markets, what's going on with them. Today, you kind of want to talk about why we're shopping with them, right? Yeah, so we've gotten a really good idea of what you're going to find when you're at the farmer's market, but then what's the reason for wanting to and uh, buy the produce that they're bringing to the market? So I think there's a lot of uh, words that we hear often to describe what it is about the the produce that's different. Um, Things like sustainable or chemical-free or fresh and local. These are all words that... um, are more for like marketing and they're not even used exclusively for farmers markets. Um, but we can dive down a little bit more into what these words are trying to describe about the produce that's different. And that's why we called this episode tomato tomato, because even though they appear to be the same thing, the produce in the grocery store and the produce at the farmer's market, There are some actually uh, really key differences that make the produce at the farmer's market really different and something that you're definitely going to want in your home once you hear a little more about it. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing to talk about. I think that's one of like the number one questions we get is why is this like, is this produce different? What's different about it? And why should I either make the effort or spend the money to come out and shop with a local farm? Yeah, so there's a lot of things. Um about the produce at the grocery store that, you know, leaves something to be desired from a lot of consumers in the U.S. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing that such an increase in farmers markets across the country and kind of the shift to try to shop more with our local farmers. And that was what we talked about in the last episode was uh, why we're seeing such growth in farmers markets and how um, farmers are addressing this new interest in their products. But there's a few things such as like the distance that food travels. That's one of the key things that we talk about when it comes to local produce. And this is one of those words that we're talking about local. This usually is defined differently from place to place. But for the Dallas farmers market, local is within the state of Texas or 400 miles. So for us, you're saying that we use the definition of within the state of Texas or within 400 miles, which is something that can seem really large, the state of Texas, but comparatively to how far other produce is coming from. Yeah. So even the produce in the grocery store still has to travel from somewhere. Most of them are coming from outside of the U.S. And oftentimes the produce in the grocery store travels an average of 1500 miles. So that's different depending on what the product is. Some things like grapes travel a lot further and some things like pumpkins can be sourced more locally, but the average is 1,500 miles. That's really crazy because that's like, (laughs) we're kind of in the central portion of the country. So that's to one coast or the other, that's halfway across the country. Yeah, exactly. And so when we're talking about 
food being sustainable or local. And that's important because you have less distance that you're traveling, less greenhouse emissions coming from the transportation. It also means that you are getting food that was grown by someone in your local community. And it has to be something that's fresher too, because even with like the technology that we have, we talked about refrigerated train cars, allowing people to ship strawberries at the beginning of uh, farmer's markets. But even with the technology advancements, getting halfway across the country still takes a long time. Yeah, and refrigeration was really just the start of being able to extend the shelf life. We've got so many new technologies that are being used to extend produce shelf life. And that's another differentiating factor for the produce that you find at the farmer's market. The farmer's market has produce that has gone directly from the farm to the farmer's market, and they're not having to undergo any sort of shelf life extension. Um, For example, at the grocery store, there are varieties of methods that are used to make your tomato look really red and shiny for a lot longer, seen as kind of that really green cucumber that just stays fresh for so long. They have to do different things to it to make it last longer. So I had to do a little research on this one because there's differences on what methods are used. But the Journal of Agricultural Science and Food Research has a really good article called Strategies to Prolong the Shelf Life of Fresh Commodities. So this article covers different ways, such as um, treating with chemicals or heat or adding edible coatings or even irradiation that reduce the browning of your produce and extend the shelf life. So this is what you find commonly in uh, your grocery store. Which is something like contrasted to one of our farms at our market, D-Bar Farm, who is really proud of the fact that they harvest the day before they come to the market. Right. That means that there's not any need to do any of these self-extension type of practices because the produce is fresh. There's no reason to make it look more fresh. Um, So, for example, the edible coatings, like when you get a cucumber and it has that waxy coating on the outside, I mean, that really is um, a coating to keep it looking nice, uh, to keep it from getting kind of mushy. So, Um, The practices can be kind of interesting, so it's something to look into, but the farmer's market produce doesn't need to undergo all of this. Um, You're getting the freshest produce without any sort of changes. And then another reason for shopping with a local farm is the amount of money that goes directly to the farmer as opposed to when they have to sell to a middleman or sell for a wholesale price. Selling direct to consumer allows them to retain more of the profit. Yeah, exactly. So according to the USDA, the farmers that sell to a grocery store are only getting 14.6 cents per dollar on fresh produce sold at the grocery store. So 14 cents on the dollar is definitely not significant. And it's even less when the produce that they've grown has gone into processed foods like chips or high fructose corn syrup, things like that. The 14 cents on the dollar is whenever you're just buying a tomato or a cucumber as fresh produce. So when you're buying these fresh produces, you still don't have all of the money going back to the farmer or rancher. When you go to the grocery store, that money has to be split over the whole chain that got the produce there. So while that small portion goes to the farmer, other costs are going towards transportation, uh, marketing, the grocery store storage, 
all kinds of different directions to cover the cost. But when you come to the farmer's market, what the money goes to is just for the farmer to be there and uh, back to their farm. And I think this is a point of why farmer's markets are so important is that for one standalone farm, it's really hard for them to have any other alternative other than to sell to a grocery store um, or just to a middleman for a wholesale price because they don't have the customer base. They don't have a marketing team. They don't have a social media team. They probably live in a rural area where customers, it might be harder for customers to find them, figuring out cost of shipping. It's a really big undertaking. And so a farmer's market, I think it's such a good community asset because you're allowing all these other farms to have access to a larger customer base and to have access to things like marketing. And then they're still able to sell to a greater customer base. Yeah, exactly. I mean, farmers wear a lot of different hats while they love to be in the field. They also are taking on a lot of new roles. They are engineers. They are artists sometimes and marketers and salesmen. Mm-hmm. You know, they hold, they do a lot of different things. And so it's great when that whole profit can go back to the farm. It also allows us to have access to some foods that we don't normally have. When you go to the grocery store, you're typically going to find the same type of variety. And, you know, the same two types of, of uh, potatoes, you know, the russet or the Yukon. And then when, when you come to the farmer's market, you're going to find a wider variety of products that are seasonal and that grow well in your area. And I think one of the best examples of that is this tomato. When you go to the grocery store, your most common varieties are cherry tomato, beef steak, the Roma. You might find some grape tomatoes. Depending on where you shop, you might even find a variety called heirloom. <laughs> Although heirloom is not a specific variety. So, you know, at the farmer's market, you will find heirloom varieties, but they're going to have a specific name. So you'll find things like the Cherokee Purple or the Brandywine or the Early Girl. Things that grow well in your area are going to be what you have. And they've got more flavor and you know, just more variety. I feel like this is a good topic just to maybe talk a little bit on a deeper level about. Why do we have standard grocery store varieties of produce and why is it important to have another option or to have for farmers to be able to have different kinds of tomatoes growing in an area? Is it just because one is bred to be good, like in just in general across the country and so more farms can grow them and that's what ends up in grocery stores versus the heirlooms may only do well in like the Northeast or the Southwest? Or is there another reason? Well, that's definitely part of the reason. It's always safest to have the varieties that we know the best that we know are going to sell really well. While you have certain varieties that are going to be exciting to some people, what's safest for a grocery store and what's safest for a farmer growing on the level that a grocery store often demands is going to be to grow those familiar varieties and ones that have the most stable shelf life, things that a grocery store is looking for is going to be the security with the product. So that's mostly why you're going to see these same varieties at the grocery store. Because this is what the consumer is used to and what we can be sure are the safest product for them to carry. When you're selling at a farmer's market, you don't have to be as concerned about whether or not your customer has seen that type a million times before. You're going to have customers who are a little bit more adventurous in the palate and who are looking to try new varieties and things that grow specifically in that region. I think that's a good point, too. 
talking about what consumers are expecting to see because you talked about the Cherokee purple tomato. And last summer we had one of our farms, Bonton Farms, growing them. And I purchased some because I thought they were delicious and brought them to a gathering that I was going to. And I had a whole group of people be like, oh, but it's wrong with them. They're they're such a weird color. And they thought that they were spoiled because they weren't the bright red that they were used to seeing, but they were this darker purpley color. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, that's just the kind that this tomato looks like. But for those people, had they seen that in a grocery store, they would have thought, oh, these tomatoes are bad or wrong because they don't look like what I'm used to seeing. Yeah, it's great when we're able to go to the farmer's market and see what all kinds of varieties are around. I mean, there are certain types of tomatoes that have been in families even for generations. Um, people used to eat their seeds, and if there was really good variety of tomato, they wouldn't want to give that up. And that's what we're calling heirloom are these strains or varieties of tomatoes that have been kept because of their distinct characteristics, like the Cherokee purple that have, um, you know, a deeper color and flavor. These are things that people used to keep. And so you had actual family heirloom seeds. And so the farmer's market is a great way to find those and then um, for us to be able to preserve them. Because if nobody is growing them, then we lose our access to those. We have farms in our market who are doing a good job of preserving. So we already talked about one of Bonton of growing these purple Cherokee tomatoes. Uh, But Level Up Greens, they're growing really interesting kinds of basil and lettuces and other different kinds of greens. Like they have cinnamon basil. Yeah, they have some great varieties that you can't find in the grocery store. And not only are they growing varieties that we're not used to seeing, but they are taking it a step further. They are a hyper-local farm. So we're going beyond even uh, local and being within a couple hundred miles. They are actually located about 10 miles from the farmer's market and Bonton Farms as well. So they're bringing these interesting varieties from you know, super close to where you are. So you're getting the freshest produce and uh, varieties you can't find elsewhere. And we also, we talk a lot about the idea of what a farm is and what a farmer is um, and like the mental image that we have. But at a farmer's market, I feel like you get even closer to seeing (laughs) who actually is growing your food. And you find that at a farmer's market, you're supporting people who are like small family farms that this is what they do for a living. They're the people out there in the field. Like you said, they're wearing so many hats, whether they're out in the field and then also taking a picture to post on their Instagram to let people know about the products that they have or they're conducting interviews or they're learning new ways to grow. And you have access to that knowledge and you're able to support a person and their family by purchasing from a farm. Yeah, even our biggest farmers at the farmer's market are still family-owned operations. The farmer is out there every day. Even if he does have a few staff, our biggest farms still, they're out there every day making sure that the food is getting to the market and that the produce is of the quality that they expect from their customers. And then we touched on a little bit that farmers are the people who are able to have the money at the farmer's market. So at every farmer's market, the farmers pay a booth rate to come and set up at our farmer's market. They pay $15 a day. They come, they sell, and then the rest of the money they walk away with. They don't pay a percentage of sales. They don't have to pay a middleman. They don't have to pay for shipping and transportation. They pay to get there, sell for the day, and then they're able to leave. So they're able to also walk away with a large percent of the cut. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's a really important part to a healthy food system is that our farmers are making enough off of what they're growing to support themselves and support their, uh, their staff. It's really important to know that when you're purchasing food, that it's going to support a healthy, happy person. And that's not always the case in a traditional grocery store, just because they simply can't afford to pay the staff what it takes to, you know, afford to live um, at a certain standard. But when you go to the farmer's market, those are such small family farms that they're going to make sure that whatever they're doing is sustainable, not only for the environment, but also for their own, you know, economics. Yeah, I think that's a good definition of we talked earlier about the kind of buzzwords that you hear at a farmer's market of local and sustainable and sustainable has more of a traditional idea of environmentally sustainable but a big part that we feel and that others I know in the local food movement feel is that sustainable has to include the economic viability for the farmer that it makes sense for them that they're getting paid an adequate rate for the really hard work putting in every day. Yeah, exactly. If you're not being sustainable economically, then eventually you're not going to be able to support uh, the continued effort. So really, there are three E's that they say there are sustainability. It's the environmental, ethical, and economic sustainability of what you're doing. So if you're taking care of the environment and you're making sure that what you're doing is going to pay for itself and you're also treating everyone ethically, then you have a model that's truly sustainable and it's going to be able to continue. And having a good sustainable food system is good for everybody. It's good for the other people in your community because you're able to have a diverse and resilient food source. And I think this is a point that is sometimes kind of lost because we have access to a lot of food. But having different crop varieties and being able to support different growers is really important because historically there are things like the Irish potato famine that can happen when you're relying on a single crop to feed a large group of people. There are things that can happen to that area. Not putting all your eggs in one basket, having a diverse way to get food is good for your community as a whole. Yeah, that's really true. If you depend too much on one or two types of varieties of, of uh, produce, then you are relying on that type to be resilient to any kind of disease or pest or climate. So if you have a year that is especially rainy, a certain type of tomato really may not do well, whereas another one could be just fine. So when you have these different varieties, you're ensuring that you're going to have success, at least on some level. So yeah, it's really important that we have different varieties of food available and we aren't just stuck with beef stick tomatoes and uh, Yukon potatoes. We also talked about a farmer's market being a connection network for farmers to a local food hub. A lot of chefs are able to come to a farmer's market get produce that they know is being sustainably grown and then use that in their own restaurants. So we have a really great, well-connected local food hub in Dallas. And then even beyond restaurants, being able to get local food into schools is something that is really important too. And something that's surprisingly difficult. Yeah, it is difficult because there are a lot of regulations um, that control what's sold in schools, but there's been a lot of effort around the country to try to work with farmers to see what makes it possible for them to sell directly to schools. And this helps the small local farms grow because they have this regular customer, the school or the restaurant that wants that product. So they're able to 
up their supply and then have this really stable demand. We're seeing this growing kind of local food hub, which is just a connection uh, that grows the farmers in an area. So while not every farmer needs to grow everything, you have really specialized farms that are able to connect with each other and feed a community using this kind of local food hub idea. Having a stable a stable customer basis where farmers know that the produce that they're growing is going to be able to be sold in the month's time. You know, they don't have a, sh- a shelf-stable product. And so for a lot of them, they're really having to hedge their bets on, okay, if I plant however many rows or however many greenhouses even of tomatoes, am I going to be able to have the people that are going to want these on the back end? For an individual on how to help a farm, a CSA, a community share agriculture, is a really great way because you're committing to a farm saying, I want a share, I want a portion of what you're going to be growing. And these are um, just food boxes where produce boxes, or if it's a ranch, a meat box, or maybe a combination of both, where they're able to take the products that they have. And then they're committing to normally like six to eight weeks. Some people do a year share, it just depends on the farm, but where they'll take their what's in season, what's fresh from that week, put it in a box and either deliver it to your door, or maybe you go pick it up. There's a lot of different models of this, but the idea is that you're committing ahead of time to a farm so that for a small farm, they're able to know how much they can grow and be able to sell that. And so in a farmer's market way, even if you're not going to be committing to a CSA, But shopping with a farm regularly at a farmer's market where you become a regular customer, they're able to know how much to produce, what they're growing, and able to kind of think ahead because they know that there's going to be a customer basis for them. Yeah. And another thing you can do if there's not a farmer's market in your area, you can ask your local grocers to carry local products. So if you look online or, um, you know, you can find local farms who might be great people that, to support, but you don't have direct access to their food. So small grocers are more likely to try out these new, um, these new models. So, you know, maybe not your, your super mart would do these things, but um, small grocers, neighborhood grocers might be more interested in hearing some products from local farmers. And then you would have access that way and you'd have another really steady stream of orders going for a local farmer. Comeback Creek makes regular CSA drop-offs at the Dallas Farmer's Market. And then there's also access to local food every weekend. So you can uh, definitely sign up with some of our local farms for more information. Uh, they all have newsletters and great ways to see what they'll be coming up with. And I believe um, Braga Farms, a local farm from Irving, just began a produce delivery as well. So you can sign up for their spring and fall crops and they'll start uh, doing a CSA delivery. There you go. So yeah, there's lots of different ways to get involved. And one of the best and easiest ways is to reach out on social media, either to your local farmer's market or directly to the farm and see what they're offering. See if they have a CSA, if they have something that you can be a part of so you can support them better. Yeah, they would all love to talk to you and are really eager to share information. So if there's a local farm that you're interested in learning more about, you can reach out to them directly or you can send us an email at info at dallasfarmersmarket.org and we'll be happy to share information with you as well. Come say hi to us on the weekend. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast. Thank you for your continued support of our local farms and ranches. And thank you to Seth Campbell for writing our amazing theme music. You can find our show notes and more resources at dallasfarmersmarket.org. We will see you at the market.
Hey, that one was under 30 minutes. Yeah. We're speeding it up. <laughs>